Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. For I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. I have no man like-minded who will genuinely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my companion in labor, my fellow soldier, your messenger, and that he ministered to my wants. He longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he'd been sick. Indeed, he was sick nigh to death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 through 30, we have three examples of servants who had the mind of Christ worked out through their lives. This is the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with Dr. John G. Mitchell. Well, Dr. Mitchell shares with us the three men through whom God worked out the mind of Christ. They are Paul himself, his son in the faith, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, a brother and fellow soldier. These three exemplified the self-sacrificing service to the Lord for the believers. And Dr. Mitchell will ask us to pray that God will raise up a generation of believers who will seek the things of Christ rather than their own things. Can we do that? Our Father, we ask you to send out laborers with the gospel of Christ into your harvest in these days for Jesus' sake. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Now we're in Philippians chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 17, and we're going to be dealing with the, uh, the outworking of the pattern of the believer, of the pattern of Christ in the believer. You remember, we're dealing here with, in chapter 2, with Christ, the mind of Christ in his humiliation and exaltation, and the effect this has upon God's people. And from verses 12 to 16, we were dealing with the believer's responsibility. Our privilege was to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It was God who worketh in us, both to do will and to do of his good pleasure. And then we had our walk and conduct, how we are to walk and where we are to walk, verses 14 and 15. 
And then we had our service in view of this. In verses 15 and 16, we are to shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. And then we have our hope in verse 16, and that is the coming of the Savior for his own people. And Paul wanted to rejoice in the day of Christ because of the coming of the Lord. Now, starting at verse 17 and running through the end of the chapter, we have the mind of Christ working in the apostle Paul, and it's followed along with the mind of Christ working in Timothy, and then the mind of Christ working in Epaphroditus. In other words, he gives to us a threefold illustration of how the mind of Christ worked in these men in the first century. And the same precious Spirit of God who indwelled them indwells every believer. There's no excuse for us. The same Savior they had is our Savior. The same Lord they had is our Lord. The same blessed Spirit who indwelled them indwells us. And the same responsibility they had, we have the same responsibility. My friend, we can't get away from it. If I claim to love the Savior, he's left me down here for a purpose. He's left you down for a purpose. But, Mr. Mitchell, I have no gifts. I'm not talking about gifts. I'm not talking about your service. I'm talking about the fact that God's left you down here for a purpose, that the mind of Christ will so operate in your life and my life that people will see Christ living in and through us. He will live the life. He's the power. He doesn't say, I'll give you power to do it. He is the power. We can't do it anyhow. All he wants is us, channels, through whom he'll demonstrate his power, through whom he'll show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. See, friend, now, now we find in the illustration, three illustrations of the mind of Christ operating in believers in Paul's day. The first one is Paul himself. In verses 17 and 18, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. In other words, he's just saying, um, the very things I've asked you to do, I'm going to do or I am doing, even though it means a sacrifice. Paul was saying he was poured out as a drink offering to the Lord. He was a living sacrifice. You remember he wrote that to the Roman church in chapter 12, 1 to 2, when he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you give your body as a present to the Lord, holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed. Don't be fashioned according to this age, but be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. You might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. See, friend, Paul didn't write by the Spirit of God just for you. He included himself, but I believe the apostle Paul could say, uh, after he had written, after he had written the wonders of the of the marvelous grace of God for sinners. There's only one, one thing to do. I beseech you, brethren. The beseechings of grace. I beseech you, brethren, to give your body 
Now he saved you, your personality, whoever you are. He saved you and redeemed you. Made you eternal. You're living in a body here on earth. I'll give that body to me so I can use it for the glory of God. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, allow me to do this, will you? He said to Timothy, this is the second imprisonment of Paul. Paul has already been before Caesar, and when he stood there, nobody stood by him, and he was sentenced to death. So he wrote to Timothy and said, I'm about to be offered as a sacrifice. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. There is therefore laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. See, I'm about to be offered as a sacrifice. Now you could say in Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 4, the first verse of those two chapters, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, He's about to be offered as a sacrifice. If I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. I, I'm so full of joy, says Paul, that whatever sacrifice I have made, it's brought you to the saving knowledge of Christ. And you remember when he went to Philippi, he was beaten up, clothes taken off him, and he was beaten up and thrown in jail with Silas in the inner dungeon, feet fast in the stocks, you remember, with his back bleeding and so on. He could rejoice. He could sing the praises of Jesus. Now he said, I want you Philippian Christians to go on with God. And I've offered myself as a sacrifice unto God. Death is scorned. I'm about to be offered. Time of my departure is at hand. Death, I say, was scorned. No fear. Perfect peace. Or the same man had written in the first chapter of Philippians, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And to the Corinthian church, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So he said in Philippians 1, that Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether it be by death. For to me to live Christ, to die, is to be with Christ. So what's the difference? I'm willing to be a sacrifice for the glory of Christ. And I'm so glad that when I stand in the presence of God and then especially in the day of Christ, and you'll be there, you Philippian Christians will be there, I'm going to rejoice because I'll see the footage of my sacrifice in that you folk came to know the Savior and live for him. And then you have the second one, and that's Timothy in verses 19 to 24. And here you have Timothy, the mind of Christ working in Timothy. And again, you have self going out of the window and Christ being glorified. Listen to it. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. I have no man like-minded who will genuinely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently presently 
so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Let me just let me just stop there. May I? Here you have this this question of Paul and Timothy. I'm going to send I'm going to send Timothy to you. You can just you can just see how Paul's heart was going out to these Philippian Christians who were suffering for the Savior's sake. What a pastor's heart. What a great bond there was between Paul and the Philippian Christians. They had suffered together. And he, he, his heart was going out to them, and he says, listen, I'm, I'm going I'm to send Timothy to you. What he really is saying, men are scarce. Now, remember, Paul's in jail in Rome. and I, Men are scarce. I can hardly find anybody who's got any concern for the brethren in their suffering. Most of the brethren are selfish and self-contained, and, they, uh, and why, why the scarcity of men? Because he says, I have no man like-minded who will be genuine in his care for you because all seek their own things, not the things that be Jesus Christ. The reason for the scarcity of men today is the same, for all seek their own things. That old selfish aims, as someone has read, has written, all seek their own selfish aims, reckless of the will of God. You remember uh, Paul could write in Corinthians 13, love seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Our Lord again, I let me quote that verse again in John 8, 29, when he said, I do always the things that please him. Why is there a scarcity of missionaries? Why is there a scarcity of preachers loving the Lord and giving out his word? Why the scarcity of witnesses for Christ? Because so many Christians are seeking their own things, not the things that be Jesus Christ. You know, I can't help but remember quite a while ago reading about a a Christian in Burma his name was San Quala, and he was offered a very um, lucrative position with the British government when the British were in charge of India and Burma. And they offered him this very, very wonderful position, which paid a very, very good salary. And he turned him down. They asked him, why will you turn it down? And he said, because I would rather eat with the children of poverty. This man gave himself over to the Lord Jesus to be used in giving out the testimony among the poor people of Burma. And if I'm quoting it correctly, in, in two and a half years, over 2,000 adults, men and women, were saved. Not counting children, over 2,000 adults were saved. And he started 30, 30 churches. 30 churches started in two and a half years. He was a man who was wholly dedicated to the Savior. He did not seek his own things. He sought the things that be Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me that God will raise up among our young people a group of men and women who will not seek their own things, but will seek, always seek the things that be Jesus Christ? that God out of this present generation of Christians will raise up men and women who will have a passion for Christ, who will say with Paul, whether by life or by death, 
just as long as Christ is magnified in my body. You see, Paul says, these Philippian Christians, I haven't anyone to send to you but Timothy. Well, I'll say this for Timothy, he's genuine in his love for you. And this was a real sacrifice, by the way, for both Paul and Timothy. Paul is in jail. Timothy was waiting on him. And Paul looked around, he could say, I have anybody to send you. So I'll send you my son in the faith, Timothy. And I read here in verse 20, I have no man like-minded who will genuinely care for your state, but all seek their own things, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Implying that Timothy was seeking the things of Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently as so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. And then I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Now, here you have Paul's confidence that he's going to be freed from jail. And by the way, he was freed from jail. Uh, whether he went back to Philippi, I don't know. But he is freed from jail. He's genuine in his love for these dear people at Philippi. Now, starting in at verse 25 and running through to the end of the chapter, we have the mind of Christ operating in Epaphroditus. Now, Epaphroditus was sent to Rome to minister to Paul and his needs. Uh, he, uh, you remember, he, was, he came from Philippi, I take it, and he came with a present from the Philippian church uh, to meet Paul's need. Uh, you have it in verse in verse 18 of chapter 4. I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, and a sacrifice acceptable to God. You know, you have this, this question of, of Epaphroditus. <clears throat> I've oftentimes wondered about this. These dear men how much they must have sacrificed for the Lord. You know, it wasn't just a question of going from Philippi to Rome. You ever stop and think? You and I could make that hop in half an hour, possibly by plane today, at least less than an hour. But in that day, it meant days of travel, the possible danger. But mark this man Epaphroditus. Remember, these are people who really love the Lord. Look at this verse 25. I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my companion in labor, my fellow soldier, your messenger, and that he ministered to my wants. He longed after you all, was full of heaviness, because you had heard he'd been sick. So on. Here's a man who was living for Christ. Self was outside the picture. True, compassionate, humble, Self-sacrificial. There's what Paul talks about him. He's my brother. He's my companion. He's my fellow soldier. He's your messenger. And he's a minister to me. He ministers to my wants. And by the way, do you know, it takes a big man to be ministered unto. Did you know that? It's easy to minister to somebody else. But to have somebody minister to you, well, that's something else. And I like Paul here. I just like He's a brother, he's my companion, he's a fellow soldier, he's your messenger to me, 
and he ministered to me in my need. And noted what it cost Epaphroditus. He longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he'd been sick. Indeed, he was sick nigh to death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life. What for? to supply your lack of service toward me. Did you notice the cost? He was nigh unto death. And aren't you glad that the Lord healed him on the ground of mercy? Did you notice this? But God had mercy on him, and not only on him only, but on me too, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Somebody's going to ask the question, why in the world didn't Paul heal him? You remember, was it to the Colossian church, he said, Trophimus, if I left, sing it, my leaders. Why didn't he heal him? No, my friend, this man was healed on the mercy of God. Well, Mr. Mitchell, don't you believe in healing? Yes, God heals. I wouldn't limit God one little bit. He's omnipotent. He can do anything he wants. He has the power to do anything he wants. I believe... God can heal. I believe God does heal. I do not believe that God heals everybody. Why didn't he heal Trophimus? And here he healed Epaphroditus, who was nigh unto death, and the Lord had mercy on him and on me too, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You know, when I read, when I read these things, when I read these things, I wonder how much you and I have sacrificed for the Lord. I can't help but say this. Here is Paul. He had only one ambition. As 2 Corinthians 5, 9 said, being ambitious to be found pleasing to God. Timothy, I have no man like mine, it says Paul, who is genuine in his care for you. All seek their own things, not the things that be Jesus Christ. Epaphroditus, a fellow soldier, a brother, a companion, a minister. But he was very, very sick, nigh unto death, and the Lord healed him. What am I trying to say? These men were living for Christ. They had tests, they had trials, in jail, chained, suffering, persecuted, but rejoicing in the Lord because they belonged to him. So when you go back over this second chapter, the great question is the mind of Christ. What is Christian experience? The mind of Christ. You follow it through, then he gives us these. First of all, the example is our Savior, his humiliation and exaltation. And then you have these three men, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus. I wonder if God were writing about you today, would he say you were genuine in your love for him and for his people? Or are you seeking your own things instead of the things which be Jesus Christ's? You know, I'm talking to my own heart when I'm talking to you today. Does Jesus Christ have his rightful place in my heart? 
Does he have his place in your heart? Or I could put it another way, are you in love with the Savior, even though it means a sacrifice? Remember, you're in his hands. Nothing comes into your life but what? He may permit it for his glory and for your good. And then he may use you in a marvelous way to dispel darkness. So you shine where you are, hold forth the word of life, exalt the person of Christ, and may you rejoice continually so that when you stand before the Savior, you'll hear him say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake. Perfect relationships used me till I was dying. And all the while someone was begging to free me from sin. He was there. you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.